Alright, hello everybody! I'm Oscar. And I'm Alan. And welcome to Blame the Movies, our weekly podcast where we're going to talk about one of the movies that we saw this week and try not to go on too many tangents. Welcome to episode two of Blame the Movies, the Banshees of Inisherin. Before we start, I just want to highlight some stats. Okay, so the Banshees of it is it is it Inisherin? Is it Inisherin or Inisherin? They kept saying Inisherin. Inisherin. Okay. Wait, Inisherin. Inisherin. Okay. Do I have your permission to do this whole podcast in my Irish accent? Absolutely not. Oh, I'm pretty good. At, I'm pretty confident at it. No. Okay, alright. Normal me it is then. Banshees of Inisherin. I feel like that's wrong, but Banshees of Inisherin. We just said Inisherin. Oh, we did. I'm sorry. Game. Okay. The Banshees of Inisherin, directed and written by Martin McDonough, who was the director of Three Billboards outside of uh, Ebbing, Missouri, and In Bruges, which both of which we've seen and I, I liked them both. And Seven Psychopaths. Oh, I haven't seen Seven Psychopaths. Me neither. But... Okay. I, and I loved In Bruges, which is both these leads were in that as well. They were fantastic in it. Um, and the movie stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Carrie Condon, and uh, Barry Keegan, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Sure. Barry Keegan. All right. So, as a movie, you've probably seen the trailers about uh, a man in Ireland who wants to stop being friends with uh, another man on the island. No reason. Nothing. He wasn't wronged. He wasn't insulted. Just doesn't like him anymore, and he wants to stop being friends. And in the trailer, the, you know, what got us all captivated was he said, all right, we're done here, and if you keep bothering me, every time you bother me, I'm going to take my shears, I'm going to cut off one of my fingers, and I'm going to send it to you until I have no fingers left and you've stopped talking to me. Does that make things clear? And that was it. That was all we really knew about the movie going into it. So with that being said, why don't you start us off this time, Ellen? What did you think, just in general? What did you think of the movie? Okay, um, well, I liked it. I liked it pretty well, I would say. Um, I know it's one of the movies up for uh, Best Picture this year at the Oscars. Yeah. And um, do I think that it should win? Personally, maybe not. I think there's some other choices that kind of edge it out a little bit well we'll quick sideline here because we just talked about it mm-hmm. does this deserve best picture over tar oh for me yeah i walked away liking this movie quite a lot more than i like tar okay just wanted to get your opinion on that continue so yeah point on that um but yeah i you know i guess i just wasn't too blown away by I guess the story of the movie, maybe it was the pacing or just how they kind of lay the story out, but I didn't walk away kind of devastated like I was expecting to be. Um, I think the performances, you know, were all top notch across the board. Like they were all really good. But as far as the movie goes, like as a movie going experience, I liked it. I didn't necessarily love it. Do I think I'll watch it again? Probably not. But. Solid 8 out of 10, I would say. Yeah, nice. What about you? Um, so I'm, I would say I think I liked it a little bit more than you did. If I had to give it a score if on my letterbox, I gave it, now I'm trying to remember, it was yesterday. I gave it, I think, a 9.5 out of 10. Um, so I was pretty, not necessarily blown away, um, but I did really like it. It was a, it was a simple story. Um, and somehow within that simplicity, it still went places I didn't expect. Uh, we're going to get into some spoilers here, but obviously, hopefully you're listening to this, you've watched the movie, or you don't plan on watching the movie, or you just don't care about spoilers. Um, but I've got to tell you, you know, I know we had seen the trailers, uh, I was convinced that it was going to be a comedy, um, and it kind of was. It, it is a darker comedy. Um, you were convinced it was going to be this, uh, you know, depressing... I think you'd seen a lot of like TikTok stuff saying it was the most depressing movie of the year. So you were ready to just be heartbroken by it. Uh, I think both of us came away disappointed on our, each of our fronts. Um, but I got to say, I was not expecting him to actually cut off a finger. Much less multiple fingers. You know, they were in the trailer. There are a couple of shots of the shears. And yep. so 
you know, I was expecting maybe one of them was going to go. And so I was like, okay, you know, we'll do the one and that'll be it. It's going to hurt, you know? And I was like, okay, we'll stop there and the, the story will go somewhere else. We're not going to get more than one finger. And the movie was like, you're going to get all the fingers. Yeah, listen, we lost an entire hand. Mm-hmm. And um, for you uh, people who don't like go out there, you do not see him cut off his finger. This isn't saw or anything, but you do see the aftermath um, quite a couple of times. And it's pretty gruesome, like in a realistic, bloody way that I didn't appreciate. But you do, <clears throat> if you're coming to this movie to see these fingers go bye bye, they go. He cuts them off. Um, so, yeah, so I was saying, like, you know, the movie was a little simpler than I was expecting. But I was really impressed in its simple story, kind of how much they were able to layer on top of it. So much like Tar, where it's like, we don't know anything about the conducting world and the symphony orchestra world. And we're just not a part, we're not in the know. So there's a lot I'm sure went over our heads here. Um, a lot of that follows through on this movie where it's like, hey, I do not, uh, unlike Lindsay Ellis, have a minor in Irish studies. I do not know anything about Ireland save for, oh, you know, there was a lot of conflict and there's, it's two different countries, Northern Ireland and Ireland. Um, but I don't know any of the details past what we may have learned in school. And, you know, we're in America. There wasn't a lot that we learned here. So a lot of that I'm sure went over the, my head. But I know they're talking in the movies. You know, it's placed during the Irish Civil War, and there's a lot of, I'm sure, connections to these two used-to-be-friends fighting, and kind of how there's not really a reason, who knows why we're fighting, but they're standing their ground, and no one's really winning, and at the end, I mean, what do we have? Like, they're still together, but... Colin Farrell burns down um, Brendan Gleeson's house. He has no fingers, so he can't play music really anymore. Um, There are loved ones that have gone away and fled the island. There are animals and innocent people that have died. Uh, Someone commits suicide, and just uh, Barry Keegan's character commits suicide. So I think there's a lot of parallels to the like, oh, this is how senseless a war-torn country might be. But I think that probably reads a lot stronger and maybe there's a lot more connections that people who are aware of the situation, maybe people from Ireland or just people who know the situation more would make more connections. But even that little bit that I got, I was really impressed with, yes, this is a very simple story. But even from that angle, there's just so much packed into it. And that, while it didn't blow me away, I was kind of, I was a little, I was a little awestruck at just, wow, they're packing a lot into this for this story not really going anywhere. Like you said, we thought, okay, we're going to cut off the finger, like the shears. This is the setup to the movie. Where do we go from here? We don't. That is the movie. The movie is, he doesn't want to be friends with him anymore. Discuss, you know? And with that being it, that being the entire movie, I'm pretty impressed with uh, how not bored I was throughout the entire runtime. Well, what I thought was interesting was in the trailer, you know, the entire setup was okay you talk to me again and i'm gonna cut off a finger i'm gonna start cutting off fingers right so we imagine that you know they're not going to be talking that colin farrell's just going to be holding conversations with all the other characters except for brendan gleason right but then you watch the movie and they still have a lot of conversations and so i thought that was really interesting in like Oh, wait, so they're still kind of going to talk, right? You know, um, there was even a point maybe 45 minutes in where it's like, okay, you know, I I was a little harsh on you, Colin Farrell. I'm sorry. It's like, wait, what? There's still like an hour some change left. Like, is that the resolution of the movie? And no, but it it was interesting how... What I thought was going to be the movie, like you said, had a little more packed into it than that. Um, And so I thought that was really interesting um, of an idea of like trailers present movies in a way and then you go in there and sometimes it's... You've been misled. Exactly. Yeah, you've been misled or they bring you in on a concept and then, you know, thankfully it expands beyond that. 
Yeah, listener, you are not being misled by this trailer. What you see is what you get. Maybe some seasoning on top of it, but that's the movie. That's what you're going to go see. And, you know, we've been talking, it's um, only been a couple minutes, but we've only been discussing Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson at this point. Uh, Carrie Condon and Barry Keegan, very, very good in this movie. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, both nominated as well, right? All four actors got nominated? Yes. For Academy Awards? Yes. Uh, Carrie Condon, I thought, uh, it, it's, it's hard to say, like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, who was the best one in the movie? Um, I'm not really here to, like, compare actors with each other, but I was, if any one performance blew me away, I loved her in this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought she had such presence, uh, such power. Um, I thought, <laughs> side note, all her costumes, uh, whoever dressed her, the, like, just kind of bursts of color along this drab Irish island, which was gorgeous, by the way, but her pops of color just really made her stand out as a character, both as, like, Really smart and really different, and also, like, clearly she does not belong on this island. Like, this is not where she should be, and this is not where she wants to be. And, yeah, as the side note there on the island, this movie is beautiful to look at. To your point about Carrie Condon's fashion in the movie, Colin Farrell has really nice sweaters. He does! There's this one in particular, this, like, deep blue sweater that he had, and I'm like, wow, that's really nice. It's a really nice color. And I think to, like, offset all the the stones of the kind of like what do you call them barriers or walkways yeah. like those dividers yeah all that stone and all that kind of grayish color um and you contrast that with the green of the island and yeah. then colin farrell's blue sweater and also carrie condon's yellow yeah you jacket. know i called that i was like I was like, Alan, I want this jacket. Uh-huh. I don't know where I'm going to wear it, but I want that yellow jacket. It was beautiful. Right. It, it's, very, it's very pretty to look at. Also, though, another thing that makes the movie really kind of beautiful was the score. Yes. It was so good. Um, we have the movie on Blu-ray, and the menu, the main menu of the movie, um, which sort of plays the same song on loop. Beautiful. I could hear that all day. Yeah, we had it on before. Uh, it was on maybe for like half an hour before we actually started the movie. Yeah. And then after the movie ended, we kind of kept it on for a bit. I was like, this is just nice. It's, uh-huh. it's good music. Um, yeah, from the opening shots when we're kind of seeing the island, it was one of the first things. I mean, you notice like, oh, this place is obviously beautiful. What time period are we in? I'm not sure yet, but gorgeous place. And that soundtrack just comes bursting through the speakers. And it's um, there's a moment that the opening really stuck with me. And also... Um, Towards the end of the movie, when Carrie Condon is leaving the island and she sees Colin, Fer- uh, Colin Farrell on the cliff, and then who I'm assuming is Brendan Gleeson also saying goodbye to her uh, on the other side of like farther along down the cliff. Uh, the music there was beautiful as well, where it's just like, um, yes, please, just just keep playing this music and showing me this beautiful scenery. This is incredible to look at. Um, yeah, fantastic, and it, it it's just one of those things where it's like. You mentioned, like, did the movie blow me away? And I'm like, I don't know that it blew me away, but every single piece that I look at, like, if I look at the costuming, at the acting, at the music, at the, at the cinematography, at just what it looks like, everything is so top tier for me. Where I was, I guess I kind of was blown away in that way, in that I have very little, if any, complaints about the movie. Yeah. You know? I, I want to go back <clears throat> to Carrie Condon. And something that you said earlier in the intro, talking about um, how both Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson were in in Bruges. So, you know, he's using the actors again. And I believe in Seven Psychopaths, Sam Rockwell is in that movie, as well as Three Billboards. Yes, yes. Um, Now, to my knowledge, Brendan Gleeson or Colin Farrell are not in Three Billboards, right? But Carrie Condon is. Oh, is she? She's in Three Billboards. Now, I can't remember what character she played because, you know, we only saw that movie once, like, around Oscars season. Um, but, you know, um, it's interesting seeing this kind of... Um, I just want you to know because I looked it up and I don't know her character name, but I want you to know that Three Billboards Outside of Missouri came out six years ago. I, okay, three year, three <laughs> of those years don't count. All right, pandemic, of, pandemic, the blip, 
Yeah, yeah, we, time froze there, we don't count those. Right. So, basically it came out three years ago. So that's not too bad, because I remember it pretty recently. Yeah. So, <laughs> we'll just, we'll gloss over those other three years. Um, but it's interesting to see um, when directors bring in previous actors and start creating their own verse, we'll call it, the McDonaverse. Yeah. Um. You know, much like Ryan Johnson reusing a lot of his actors right. in, in his projects. I think it's really cool that, you know, we have that and in such different roles. So Carrie Condon, I believe she's Irish. Um, now, she wasn't Irish in Three Billboards. And so I think that's really interesting where, you know, we're putting actors in, you know, different settings. and they get to kind of just explore the idea of truly playing somebody else. Um, and I also wanted to say that she was so good in the movie, and I think that she was the soul of the movie, right? Yeah. I think Colin Farrell was the heart of the movie, mm -hmm. right? Because, For sure. you know, he was very kind and... He was a good person. He was, he was, he a, was good, a nice person. That he was, was a, a nice person. Yeah, that maybe, was a big point. Maybe to a fault uh, for one specific moment. Yeah. Um, but... Carrie Condon, I think, was the soul of the movie, and we really got to sympathize with a character who truly did not belong in the island, like you said, and also didn't want to die there. She did not want to die there. I think everybody on that island, um, and I think Brendan Gleeson says it at one point about just kind of um, relinquishing to the inevitable, you know, of just saying, this is my future, this, I'm going to die on this island, and, you know, that's okay. And she wanted so much more than that, so mm -hmm. much more than what this island meant. And so I think the audience really gets to sympathize with her position of, like, she has to deal with so much, and she's just ready to go. Yes. Um, and I think that's sort of... Uh, liberation is something that a lot of people can relate to you know and i think that that's why the performance was such a success is because it's so relatable mm -hmm. and and i love these ideas of like um you know when we look at brendan gleason's character and carrie condon like clearly he likes her a lot and i think everybody maybe not the cop but you know we'll get to the cop but um everybody kind of likes um carrie condon's character and it's clear she doesn't belong, not only because, you know, they make her stand up by a costume and by, like, her desires and her dreams and her staring off. She just doesn't want to die there. But also how clearly intelligent she is and more intelligent she is than almost anyone else on this island. Like you said, everyone else has kind of relinquished control. And there's nothing wrong with being on this island. There's nothing wrong with living on this island. And there's nothing wrong with dying on this island. And Brendan Gleeson's whole, like midlife crisis further than midlife crisis comes from that realization of well i'm gonna die here and that's not gonna change but maybe there's something i can do with my life still with the time that i have left and i need to stop talking to this boring you know guy over here and wasting my hours and make something of myself and i think because that like he convinces himself he's better than everybody else he's not gonna leave because he's going to die on this island. Like, it's not like he tries to leave. It's not like he says, our friendship is over. You know, our season of friendship has ended. Um, he doesn't say that um, and leave. He just tries to stay on the island because that's where he's going to die. But going to try to do a little bit more for his life. And in that, I think he convinces himself of a couple of things. Uh, one is that Colin Farrell is dumb and he is smarter than him. And in that comparison, I think he starts to get maybe a little big-headed and thinking that he's very smart not only smarter than colin farrell but like just in general real smart and that um you know his music is good and i think a big part of this comes in i was telling you when he actually when we find out he actually cuts his fingers so he cuts one finger and we see him afterwards playing his oh my god i'm forgetting the instrument's name what was it oh the fiddle it's the fiddle yes he's playing his fiddle he can still play oh yeah he can still play the fiddle with four fingers yes so he's playing his fiddle still and then he finishes, after a fight with Colin Farrell, he finishes his song that he was working on. Um, and then that night he cuts off the remaining hands. And I was telling you, it's kind of a way of like... Fingers. Or his, yeah, he cuts off the remaining fingers. Um, so now he's not playing the fiddle anymore. He's got one hand with five fingers and one hand with nothing. That fiddle isn't getting played anymore. And it's kind of his way of being like, oh, 
if I don't succeed, like, kind of, if I can't make this music, it's because of Colin Farrell. It's Colin Farrell's fault. He made me cut off my fingers. He wouldn't leave me alone. Just like I said, like, nothing's going to happen on this island. And it's someone else to blame for his situation rather than, I don't know, leave the island and go work on your music. If you don't want to talk to Colin Farrell anymore, leave. Go work on your music. Go wherever the hell you want to. Where, where these all students came from that he fell in love with, go to their school. Go learn music. It's not too late. But he doesn't. He's just looking for excuses and someone else to blame for his situation. And to take it back to Carrie Condon, it's in that scene where you've seen in the trailers where he's talking about like, nobody's remembered for being nice, but everyone remembers Mozart. And he says that Mozart is like the most famous 17th century composer. And at the end of that scene, Carrie Condon corrects him and she's like, just real, real simply, just like, it's the 18th century, by the way. And it ties into what she says later on in the movie at him of, you're all fucking boring. Like, you're all the same boring men doing nothing on this island. No one's better than anyone, and you're all going to die here. Which is the moment which I think she decides, like, I need to leave or I'm going to die here too. I need, to, I need to get out. So, you know what? I think that um, Brendan Gleeson feels this superiority complex because I, I think that everybody is... Um, kind of going going with the motions, right? Going with the flow. People live and die on the island, and their ancestors before them did it, and the people in the future will do the same, right? But what Brendan Gleeson feels sets him apart, I think, is the fact that he is acknowledging it. That he's saying, oh, I know what my fate is. See, all these other people, they don't know that they're just living out their days. I know it, so I'm going to take control. Right. He's like, I have self-awareness. Yes. I'm better than these ignorant ones. Uh-huh, exactly. Right. And I think the priest at the second confession scene really highlights what you said, because the priest tells him, what are you going to do about your despair? Nothing, right? And he goes, yeah, no, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. And so, yes, he's self-aware, sure. But to what end? Like, you're still not going to do anything with it. And it's like you said, if things don't work out, which they aren't going to because he cut off all his fingers, he has someone else to blame. He has Colin Farrell to blame, you know? He's still on the island, so that's still his fate. But at the end of the day, you know... Well, you know, I'm aware, but it's still life. And, you know, I I think that's where his character is flawed, right? Like, that's the foil of the character, is that he feels very superior to the other characters. But in reality, this level of self-awareness isn't going to bring him anything either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes in part... um, in looking at his relationship with Colin Farrell, and you had brought this up, that Carrie Condon is the soul of the movie, and Colin Farrell is the heart. And I'm not sure I think that that's true, because, well, I think that Colin Farrell, you know, I mean, obviously he's our protagonist, he's a very, he's sold to us, he's a very nice guy. We thought he was going to be holding some deep, dark secret, and that's why Brendan Gleeson didn't want to be friends anymore, and there was going to be some twist, you know, like, he murdered someone, or he raped someone, and Brendan Gleeson knew, but... It's a small island and he didn't want to out him. Something. Not the case. And um, he's just a a nice guy. And he is simple, as they say. Like, his sister knows, like, yeah, you're not the smartest guy, but you're not the dumbest guy. Um, And then he's like, well, am I the second dumbest guy? And she's like, look, I'm not going to judge you all. So, yes. But but I'm not going to, don't make me say it, you know. Um, But I think that actually the heart of this movie, to me, is... Barry Keegan's character and I do I dislike how his story kind of ends yes it's tragic it just it does seem a little like senseless and a little out of nowhere and maybe that's a whole part of the war metaphor you know it doesn't people just die but there's something about everyone thinks Barry Keegan's character is stupid and a moron and a a doofus and he's kind of, and he, and he, you know, he has certain mannerisms and he acts that way. He's very loud. He's very abrasive. But he clearly shows signs of understanding and knowing what he's talking about. Uh, he, one of those small things, right? He like, he says touche and Colin Farrell's like, what is that? He's like, oh, it's from the French, you know, like, well, he knows what touche is. It's a small thing, but you know, it's, 
it's in the past. It's in the olden days. Um, he knows uh, he's got to deal with, as we find out, his father uh, abusing him, possibly even sexually abusing him, uh, beating him, sent, like beating him bloody too. And his father, that cop that we were talking about earlier, is a complete asshole in this movie. But he's got all these things that he's dealing with, and he knows that everyone sees him as this, uh, you know, loser that they don't want around. He gets banned from the pub for presumably weeks, and he has to come in and be like, hey, my probate, my, you know, my ban is over. He knows that no one wants to be with him. He, he tries to uh, ask Carrie Condon if she could ever love him. And, you know, she's like, oh, no, like, hey, you're sweet, but no, that's never going to happen, and I'm never going to change my mind. And I think the breaking moment for him because his only real friend on this island is Colin Farrell. And Colin Farrell doesn't even like him that much, but Colin Farrell is kind, right? So like, hey, he sees him bloody on the street, come stay with us. You know Colin Farrell would have let him stay there as long as he wanted to. Um, he's just a nice guy, so that's his really only friend. And when he finds out what Colin Farrell does, so for some context here, I mentioned that Brendan Gleeson was making friends with these students, these music students that had come from off the island. And Colin Farrell was watching this and got a little jealous because, well, that's my friend and he's not talking to me, so I don't want him to have any friends, essentially. Like, almost, I, I kind of want to strike back. So he makes up this lie to one of the students that, hey, I got a telegram, your, your dad was hit by a cart, and he's, well, well I don't know if he's going to die, but he might die. You, you, should, you should leave. You should get to him uh, quickly. And sends the guy off, essentially. And so he tells this to Barry Keegan, Barry's like, wow, that's the meanest thing I've ever heard. Not only is it mean to Brendan Gleeson, you know, like, oh, he was getting along with someone, so you sent him away, but it's really mean to that poor guy who, it's not like he's flying, you know, like, how long is it going to take him to get to his dad worried that something happened to him? And then we find out that his mother died in the same way that Colin Farrell's lying about his dad. So, like, this poor guy, this kid is just, like, sent on this distressful trip thinking his dad is injured. Um, and so Barry King's like, that's the meanest thing you've ever, I've ever heard. You're just like the rest of them. I thought you were nice. Like, I thought you were a good person. You're just like everybody else. And I think it's the moment he realizes, yeah, everybody sucks. And much like Carrie Condon realizes her moment of everybody sucks here. And this is, I'm going to end up just like them. She leaves. He also leaves. He commits suicide. He's like, well, then there's, I don't want to do this anymore. But unlike Carrie Condon, who got a letter because she got a job to be a librarian off island somewhere. Barry Keegan has nowhere to go. He has nowhere to go. He has nobody. He doesn't really have a home because he's getting abused. So when his, he finds out his one friend is like, well, you're just as bad as everyone else, he just decides to end it. And that's, I think, that's, that's the more tragic part to me than, the French, than how the friendship ended up between Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. The only reason... So, like, I don't disagree with you per se, but... To say that Barry Keegan's the heart of the movie and he's like a creeper on women, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a valid point. It is a valid point. So, not that I disagree with you wholeheartedly, but I will not accept that as my (laughs) truth. Because the movie's like, oh man, Barry Keegan died. But let's not gloss over the fact that there were a lot of cases where they told him not to be creepy with women and he was like, I'm still going to do it. And yeah, I, you know, so, so that. Yeah, yeah, like he's not, he's not free. He's not some innocent soul here per right. se. For him to be saying, oh, everybody's so terrible. So I'm going to end my life. Like you're terrible. So let's, you know, let's look in the mirror. Okay. So in our first episode, we talked about the ghosts in Tar. Yes, we did. And now in episode two, I want to talk about the ghost of Banshees of Anishirin. Isn't Banshees a ghost? Can we talk about the Banshees? Okay, so that's what I'm saying. So the idea, okay, so the movie title is because that is the name of Brendan Gleeson's sort of uh, one song glory, if you will. Yes, (laughs) I'm writing one great song. (laughs) One great song, and... Uh, it is the idea of banshees and how banshees are the herald of death. Right. right. They're like omens. Omens. And usually, or it, traditionally, as he describes, they used to wail, you know, um, as, you know, banshees are wont to do. But he says that now banshees just 
observe. And so there's that character. Right, like she's personified the, the old woman in this the movie. The old woman the in banshee. the movie. She, she is the banshee. And so I'm like, is she a ghost? You know? <laughs> is she, you know, a soothsayer? Is she the ghost of Anishirin? How many years has this old woman been here? How many years is she going to be there because she doesn't die? Maybe she died 50 years ago. Who knows? Whoa! Whoa! Um, I think that she's such a she's such a funny character in like she'll just pop out in these random places <laughs> like fully cloaked as the Grim Reaper. Yes, absolutely. With- at the end, she's got the stick with the hook at the end yes. that Bear King had found. I mean, it was so on the nose, but in the best way possible of, like, this old woman, like, very kind of frail-looking older woman walking around in this massive cloak. And then to see, the, you know, with the Fisher hook, I, it's so funny. It was it was very good. And I loved all the jokes about him. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Colin Farrell throwing Carrie Cotton under the bus. Like... She hides behind walls when you come when she sees you coming by. And he's like, "What? No, I don't. I don't. I don't." And he does the same thing. Like he yes. sees her, so he tries to hide behind the little rock wall. Um, it's so funny. And yes, go. For so it. okay, there's a point in the movie in that moment when Colin Farrell's hiding from her, yeah. behind the wall, when he kind of peeks over and sees that she's still there waiting for him. She says, "There's gonna be a death on the island, maybe two. Uh, I hope it's not you or, um, Carrie Condon, um, uh, Siobhan. Uh, Siobhan, I hope yes. it's not you or Siobhan, but, uh, you know, anyway, I'm on my way <laughs> and just leaves. And so what is it? You know, is, is she, does she know? Right. Like know? what does she know? How is she? I soothe saying all this. I thought it was going to be, you know, uh. Obviously, at that point, I thought it was going to be Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. You know, they were going to kill each other. Right. Yeah, for sure. In this big duel, I thought, at the end of the movie, right? Who were the two deaths there weren't, right? Well, well, there were two. So we'll get. So first, I was afraid. You were afraid it was going to be Brendan and Colin. I was. When she said it, I was pissed because I thought they were going to kill Siobhan. And when she was on that boat going away, I was like, there's going to be some straight gunfire from the Civil War because they keep mentioning it. Something's going to kill, and I'm going to be. Pissed. The boat is gonna get bombed. Something, or some, yes, something uh-huh. is gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> a U boat, mm-hmm. uh, something. Um, and that didn't happen, and I'm very, very happy for that. Mm-hmm. But um, so yes, really fast as we're talking about what were the two deaths. Um, so there are a lot of animals in this film. We are in the we're on an island in the countryside. Uh, Brendan Gleeson. Also, if you're wondering why we keep calling them by the actors' names, is because uh, neither Alan nor I. Feel we can confidently pronounce Colin Farrell's name. Um, it's like pa- so, Pad- Padrick. So it's spelled Patrick, right? Yeah, uh, but it's Paulrick, and I think and I think it's because of how you know back in the like letters, right? The letters and how they pronounce the name. So like their last name is essentially Sullivan. Yes, right. But you know, uh, pre-Americanization of the name, right? Right. Um, and his name was Colm. Colm. Yes, his was Colm. But yeah, I was like, I can't say, which is why we keep calling him Colin Farrell. Right. But so they have a lot of animals. Brendan Gleeson has this uh, beautiful dog. And um, Colin Farrell has some cows, a little pony that I kept calling Little Sebastian. <laughs> yes. Uh, just, just animals all over the place. And well, so it turns on the movie. And the, and the miniature donkey, Jenny. And the miniature donkey, Jenny. Um, so when it comes um, time for Brendan Gleeson to cut off his fingers, the first time he cuts off one and he walks up to Colin Farrell's house and he just chucks it at the door. And Colin Farrell opens the door. He sees it out there. Uh, Carrie Condon screams. He brings it in and puts it in a shoebox because he doesn't want to leave it out. And he's like, I can't keep his finger. So Carrie Condon delivers it back. Well, later on, we mentioned he gets rid of all his fingers on one hand. He comes back in one go and throws all four of them at the door as uh, Carrie and Colin are leaving. Like, I think that's when Carrie Condon is leaving the island, essentially. And they don't really know that the fingers are there yet. They're just left outside. So when Colin gets back, he sees that the fingers are kind of leaving a bloody trail around the house. And he goes to check. And the little donkey Jenny has choked on one of the fingers and has died. 
The donkey, this adorable donkey that has been in the house by his side the entire movie and is like, oh, I can't keep her outside, especially when I'm sad. Like, it's like his support animal. Like, you know, it's his favorite thing in the world is his relationship to this little donkey and, of course, to Carrie Condon. But Carrie Condon leaves and it's like, oh, well, Jenny's all he has left. Jenny dies. And so he has a funeral for Jenny, you know, buries her. And I think, obviously, that's the moment where it's like, well, it's over now. This has gone too far. There's no going back. Fine. And he goes up to Coleman and tells him, hey, you killed my donkey. Not to make this into a Looney Tunes reference, but Daffy Duck, this means war. <laughs> and tomorrow at two, I'm going to go and burn your house down. I don't care if you're in it. And he shows up to the house. And he's like, I'm not going to kill this dog. Like, there's a moment where you think like the, the soothsayer pops up and is like, oh, you don't kill this dog now. And it's like, Colin's like, why would I do that? Like, I love animals. I love this dog. I'm not going to hurt it. But he tells, oh, but oh, yes. he says specifically, you're the only thing good about Brendan. Yes, Gleason. you are the only good thing. This one animal that he has, you're the only good thing about mm. him. And he tells him, I'm going to burn your house down at two o'clock. I don't care if you're in it or not. It's coming down. Make sure your dog is safe. Like, put him outside. Yeah. And um, sure enough, after church, the next day, he goes over. The dog is outside burns that house down he puts the dog in the car to be like hey i'm taking you you know make sure you're safe he looks inside and he sees brendan gleason is just sitting in that house and he's like well bye and, and I, thought away. It, I thought it was interesting too because colin farrell tells him in you know that speech that i'm not even gonna bother checking in and he still, he do- still does he still checks in for him you know yes, because, like, let's see if you're in there right and then he's like all right well mm-hmm. you're in here I'm, mm-hmm. yeah whatever I'm, I'm i'm following through yeah because um, at that point, you know, it, we, they've reached the point of no return. Um, one mutilating themselves to hurt the other, and then the other one losing something they love. And so it's like, yeah, it's war now. Um, again, I think a great parallel to, I don't know if that's civil war, I don't know the details, but just a great parallel to infighting, you mm-hmm. know? Like to the idea of a civil war, a war between brothers, essentially. By the way, I want to mention that you giving that description about war and, you know, the casualties of war... Mm-hmm. I mean, none of that even occurred to me when we watched the movie. <laughs> so now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh, oh. that's a new layer. Yeah, you want to talk about layers, onion boy. Right. Uh, ogres are like onions. Yeah. Yeah. See, there's, there's more to this movie than meets the eye. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, and if you all know anything, like we don't know. The, we don't have uh, any study time in this kind of area so if there are things that we miss which i'm sure we have let us know because we love this we love finding out new things about movies new angles to look at them at Mm -hmm. um but yeah so so now that we've referenced the animals so the two deaths in the movie are jenny and barry keegan okay and i think that the reason that that's uh especially significant right is because it's just showing just now how this quote-unquote war has left these two with nothing. So on Brendan Gleeson's side, granted, he has his dog still. So there's that. But Brendan Gleeson has no fingers on one hand. He cannot play his music anymore. So the one thing that he cared about, the reason that this whole thing started, he cannot do anymore. So that's gone. He has no home. It has been burned down to the ground. Uh, He has murdered, even though it was an accident, he has murdered an animal that he had no intention of hurting. You know, he liked that. He does feel remorse for doing that. He did not want to hurt any. The, the donkey killed it and is left there and colin farrell his sister has left he has lost his best friend to suicide and he has lost his other best friend to choking on colm's finger so he is now completely alone on this island no friend no family um the animals he has to take care of but not his best friend and it just kind of the end when the suicide is watching them on the beach and they're kind of like, oh, thank you for taking care of him, of the dog. You know, like Brendan Lisa tells him, uh, I appreciate that you took care of him. And he's like, oh, he kind of smiles anytime. He'll do anything for the dog, for the animals. You know, like, he's not a bad person, but we're not square. He, say, he tells him, we're not even. Had you stayed in that house when it burned down, maybe we would be even. But you got out. So we're not even. And yeah, I don't think they're ever going to be. I saw someone write on, I think Reddit or TikTok, they're like, oh, and it kind of ends on a hopeful note of like, well, you know, they've thrown their blows at each other and like that, the movie kind of ends like there's going to be reconciliation. There is going to be no reconciliation. No. No, they're, they're both empty vessels of whoever they were before this movie started. 
They are changed men, empty vessels, and they were going to be that way until they die. Which uh, I don't think is very long for Brendan Gleeson because he just kept walking around with those open wounds on his hand. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's going to get infected. It was funny because he had it covered when he went to the pub yeah. at some point. But then when he was going to sleep, there were no bandages no, on just, there. He's just walking around and sleeping with these five gaping holes on his hand. I'm like, oh. It was so gross. Oh, you know those shears aren't sanit- sanitized. Absolutely not. Um, you know, I think I thought it was really interesting that because there was a point where with um, Colin Farrell and Carrie Condon fighting about uh, Jenny being in the house, you know, yes. like there's no no animals get the donkey out of the house, and then when Jenny dies and Carrie's gone, all the animals are in the house. Now, yes, every single one of them. It was so beautiful and so heartbreaking because, like, you know. Jenny could have now been in the house. And would have been safe. And would have been safe, you know? And now Jenny can be in the house. It's like, well, all these animals are going to be with me in this house. And yes. it, was so, it was so sad. Yes. And, and there's this moment where uh, he receives a letter from Carrie Condon once she's on the island. And she seems, you know, we don't know. We don't actually see her off the island. But she says, like, she's super happy. Like, it's better than she expected. She has, like, the view of a beautiful river. And she tells him, hey, there's a spare bed for you here. And Barry Keegan can take care of the animals. Like, get off that island. There's nothing for you there. Come with me. Um, and she doesn't know that, well, Jenny died. Barry Keegan died. All, you know, Cole cut off all of his fingers. All this has happened. Um, and so he writes back to her. And he does lie. And he tells her, hey, unfortunately, I can't leave. You know, like, I have to take care of these animals. Um, d- d- uh, does he tell her? That Barry Keegan dies? No. He, he's, I know he doesn't say that Jenny dies. He right. says Jenny's right here by my side right. like as I'm riding this, she, which is so fucking tragic. Jenny's going to miss me so much if I go. So yes, I that's it. Leave. Like I can't leave Jenny behind. Yeah. Uh, no. And he doesn't tell her that Barry also died as well. No. He, she, he doesn't. Ugh. That was tragic. Mm-hmm. You, you felt like that moment. Um, and I think that's... I don't know how... Um, I'd have to look into, I don't know how the Oscar voting works. I'm sure everyone watches the movie, but I know like, for example, with the Emmys, there's that whole thing of like, oh, submit a scene from an episode and that's what we're going to kind of judge a performance on. Uh, Colin Farrell with the animals all around him holding Jenny's dead body in that house. That is his scene that he submitted. It's none of the scenes <laughs> of him talking. It's the, it's the painful morning that turns into, I hate Brendan Gleeson now. Mm. That, all of that happening there was that was a master class like i do i want to give him credit here where i love colin farrell in so many things like for so many years i loved him in daredevil um not that that i think that was his best performance but i did love him in daredevil this is definitely the best performance of colin farrell's career he's so good in this also i love saving mr banks we're just gonna throw that in there uh, one day we're going to talk about that movie because i love it so much and alan doesn't and we're going to talk about it one day mark I, my words we're, we Today was that day. Nope. We, we talked we're, about We're going to have a whole episode on Saving Mr. Banks and how good of a movie it Absolutely is. Absolutely not. We're not going to do that. We're not going to waste an episode on Saving Mr. Banks. Just you wait. No. But yes, best performance of Colin Farrell's career. He was fantastic. Um, so on that note, all four of our leads here are nominated for Oscars. I was just about to say, <laughs> so what do you think? Who's going to win? Who's not going to win? Okay, so who is the big competition here? So let's get one out of the way. Barry Keegan, who is fantastic, uh, is up for Best Supporting Actor. With Brendan Gleeson, correct? I believe with Brendan Gleeson. I believe they're both up for supporting, uh, supporting which means both of them are losing. Because I think if there's, well, as we believe, and we're going to have a whole episode Probably like the night or two before the Oscars, we're going to release uh, an episode on all our Oscar thoughts. But I think we're both in agreement that uh, Best Supporting Actor is like the only real that's locked in. Juan is winning that for everything, everywhere, yeah. all at once. Nobody's taking that away from him. I think so. Um, so, unfortunately, I think both Brendan and Keegan are out. Who is Carrie Condon up against? Okay, so to my knowledge, and you can confirm it a bit, she's up against Hong Chow. For the oh, whale. I love her in that. Uh-huh. She's up against Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. In Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh. And Angela Bassett. 
and Angela Bassett. And, uh, Black Panther. Okay. So, um, I think right now she's gaining a lot of steam. I think that Angela Bassett is probably going to take this Right. One. Angela Bassett is definitely the favorite to win. Yeah. Um, which is another one, by the way, where, much like, where, where I'm like, oh, I know they submitted one scene. Everyone got, like, they sent that out around on YouTube. They're like, look at Angela Bassett in this one scene where she fires Okoye. Mm-hmm. And yes, I mean, she blew us away in that scene. She is phenomenal. Angela Bassett is an amazing actress. And if she wins, which she's the favorite one, it's because of that one scene. Just powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I both want uh, Stephanie to take it. Would love Stephanie to take it. Um, but I got to be honest, looking at this, we have now seen, um, this is so exciting. We've now seen all the movies that are nominated for Best Supporting Actress. So we've seen all these performances. Yes. And I can't lie to you. Uh, I would not be mad with any one of these actresses taking it. Okay, so me personally, and, you know. Yeah, you know, we talked about this on the last one. <laughs> if, <laughs> if Jamie Lee Curtis wins, I would be a little salty. Not because she... Not because her career hasn't deserved accolades right because and it's important like we are massive jamie lee curtis fans scream queen i just don't think this is the one yes for sure i don't think it's one of those things of like do you reward the individual performance or are you awarding the career right like when Julianne Moore finally won. Was that the best performance and was that the one she should have won for? Leonardo DiCaprio winning for The Revenant. Was that what he should have won for? No. But we're rewarding him because, well, it's time. Whatever Amy Adams ends up winning for, she should have been nominated and won for Arrival. And that's that. But, um, you know, so it's this kind of idea. Jamie Lee Curtis deserves to be honored. Uh, was she the best one out of these five this year in that movie? I don't think so. As much as I loved her in it, right? She was phenomenal. But a lot of people were. Everyone in this category was amazing. Um, So I wouldn't be mad at any of them taking it. But I do think... I do think Carrie Condon might be a bit of a... She's gaining steam, but right now I think she's a bit of a longer shot for for the win. I think so too. I think in order of, we'll say, shots here, I think at the bottom of the list... Uh, is probably Hong Chao. Breaks my heart. Yeah. Because she was so good in The Whale. I walked away thinking she was the best person in The Whale. She was so fantastic. I mean, mind-blowing. She was so good. Captivating. And I mean, just having seen her in the menu, such a contrast oh, yeah. from that part. Like, Fantastic. In- incredible. So I think she's, unfortunately, at the bottom of the list here. And then I would say... Stephanie Sue, I, no! I, re- I, re- I really think that the voters are not going to give it to her. How they're going to pull the like, well, she's young. This is like an earlier role uh-huh. for her. Like she'll have many more chances. And I'm like, you're liars. And so I think then in third place is Carrie Condon. I think second place is actually Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. So you think it's, you think it's Jamie Lee Curtis and Angela Bassett I think, racing for the finish line here? I think so. I think so because. You know, like you said, uh, it's about rewarding the career, and this is kind of what they like to do. Yeah. So it is the actors that vote on the acting categories, right? right? So it's it's not everybody. It's I think only actors that vote on the acting categories. So we can't. So let's move on a little bit to best actor and talk about. Do we think now we haven't seen all of these yet, so we can't talk about Paul Mescal or Bill Nye. Um, but the favorite is. Very much Brendan Fraser. Yes. Now, a big part of that is the narrative, much like Quan, of like the comeback, the welcome back, the yes. you are you were phenomenal, we've missed you, and like what a story this is. And if we're talking about like Oscar campaigns of uh, like he has campaigned the hell out of this season. He on interviews and all these press junkets, he is so likable and charismatic and humble humble yes and so it's like you know not saying that that's an actor or anything but no ju- for sure. just the fact that that is the case right now that we are seeing like just across the board everybody kind of falling for brendan fraser's story i think that that's what's kind of edging him out here to yes. take the win but 
I do think that Colin Farrell is kind of also not only due for one, but I think his performance is just as good. Yes, I think so too. Um, and he doesn't have the narrative that Brendan Fraser has. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, a big thing, like, asterisk to put here. But we all know, you know, the Oscars are bullshit. It's all political. There's not everyone watches every movie. You vote for your friend or, you know, like, you vote against your enemy, as someone put it recently on about the Tonys. You just, we've seen these honest voter ballots come out that they're just like, yeah, I didn't even watch the movie, but, like, I don't like popcorn movies getting nominated so i voted against that one mm-hmm. etc you know there's a lot of racist people who are just like i'm not gonna vote for angela bassett or hong chow i'm gonna vote for a white person like mm-hmm. it's all political it's layered there's a lot of bullshit reasons so at the end of the day award shows really don't matter but this is still a lot of fun to do and in that <laughs> you know this is why we do this every single year to say okay but do you think that colin farrell could take it because right now brendan fraser is absolutely the favorite to win but i want to take us back rest in peace not that long ago to chadwick boseman being the clear narrative winner and deserved winner and he passed away and everything was set up and they even moved best actor to be the end of the show oh for no reason (laughs) they don't do that it always ends with this picture but they moved best actor to the end and then anthony hopkins won (gasps) and then they just like and he wasn't even there. They're like, oh, video, thank you. Okay, c- drop the curtain, drop the curtain. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for coming. Goodbye. Like, that kind of idea of it doesn't always mean you win. The narrative doesn't always protect you, you know? Now, there's a lot of other layers to that, too. Again, I mentioned race does play a part in this. You cannot ignore that. You cannot ignore also, like, hey, I've heard, yes, that I ha- we have not watched The Father. Anthony Hopkins' performance was apparently amazing in that. But how much of it is also... Hey, you're old. We're going to reward your career as well. So we're going to vote for you. Well, you know? that was the year also. So Chadwick Boseman was nominated. Yep. But also uh, Stephen Yun for Minari. Yep. And also Riz Ahmed for... Sound of Metal. Uh, Sound of Metal. So, yep. like, it could have gone to a person of color, and it still went to the old white man. <coughs> Harry Styles. And so I think that, you know, uh, like you said, things don't always go the way that it's quote-unquote narratively set up to go um but i think that colin farrell could just as easily take this and while it would be the narrative upset it would still be incredibly deserved yes i think both performances were really good um trying to separate the movie they were like tied to because like i didn't really like the whale as much yeah i didn't care for the whale as much um and you know that's for another day um but I do think that both performances could easily take this award, and I don't think anybody would be upset about it. Like, yep. yes, it would be a letdown for Brendan Fraser's just, like, comeback resurgence, mm-hmm. renaissance. But, you know, I think Colin Farrell is an incredible actor. I mean, he was yep. just in The Batman as the Penguin. Amazing. Let's, what an amazing year for him. Like, he was in that. Ah, what are you showing me? Right, hilarious. And <laughs> Amazing. He's, he's just a chameleon. Yes, and so... he really is. And again, we'll talk about this again when we to- do our Saving Mr. Banks episode. Oh my god. Um, we'll talk about how great Colin Farrell is. But yes, I, I think from this movie, he is their best chance of getting an acting Oscar. I think he's the, he's the biggest, like, he's the best shot they've got of actually taking home an award yes. uh, for acting. Um, and I do think, you know, I asked you earlier, if you thought Tar was better than this one for Best Picture, you said no. I do think um, right now, I'm still hoping that Everything Everywhere All at Once takes Best Picture. You know, I've been hoping that for a while now. Um, I could see this one taking it. And much like with Tar, because I like Tar a lot more than you, I'm like, man, these are, these are some good movies I've been watching. I'm I, pretty impressed. Yeah, I think that this one's going to take a screenplay award. This definitely will. Uh, let's talk about... So we didn't talk about, um, you know, the dialogue in this because Martin McDonough uh, comes from the theater background and right. writes plays. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about... I was expecting this movie to be really funny. You were expecting it to be very dramatic and depressing. It was kind of fell somewhere in the middle. But let's not take away from the movie. It is very funny. It is very funny. Very. I laughed a lot. The beginning, like, these, this dialogue is... It's very theatrical. You know, we, we both come from a theater background and... Just, I, I keep going back to this line where they keep repeating themselves. They're like, yes. are you rowing with him? I didn't think I was rowing with him. 
I might be rowing with him. It sounds like you're rowing with him. And they repeat this back and forth like two or three different times. And it just gets funnier and funnier each time. It's just great wordplay. Like he's got a command of the language and kind of the setup and punchline of humor in that way. It just works. And you've got a lot of great visual gags too. Yes. Like again, the old woman with the, as the Grim Reaper coming down. Yes. We try to hide from her. Oh, there she is. Any, any time hilarious. she was on the screen, it was so funny. Um, also the scene with the clerk on the mainland. Like, nobody ever tells me the news. Oh, yeah. And he keeps, like, at the bottom of the screen trying to reach for the money. And she keeps like, nope, 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 <laughs> right. nope. It, you know, just little <laughs> moments like, yeah, the movie was very funny. Um, we called the the bartender and his friend Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Right, oh my god. Oh, be they, shush-like. They would repeat each other, like, so often. Like, one would say something, then the other one would affirm it, like, by saying it again. <laughs> it's so, a little echo chamber there. Yeah, it's like, okay, shh. We just need one of you be to say shush like. Be shush like. Also, I really loved the f word being feckin'. Oh, it was so every time I, somebody said you're all feckin'. I'm gonna boring. be saying you're all feckin' boring for a really long time. The second someone, anytime someone says boring, you're all feckin' boring. It was so funny, like feckin'. I was thinking, oh, you feckin' fecks. Like it's <laughs> it, it's so funny. Yes, it was. It was a really, like, this movie gets dark, this movie gets sad. We've mentioned, I mean, it's, people die, animals die, dismemberment, houses burn down, loneliness, grief. It gets dark. I laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the priest, the priest was very funny. Yeah, yeah, funny. You are in fact, as he's get, get, <laughs> yeah. walking out of the confessional booth. And then he just looks over like, okay, you're next. To the next person right. off screen. It's so funny. and. I, I just, I loved, I loved this movie. I, I would watch it again. I look forward to watching it again. I, and the funny thing is, on a lot of movies, like with Tar, I was ready to watch that again, like immediately. Because I'm like, I need to see what I catch this time. I'm not really looking to catch anything new. It was just, I had a good time. I don't think there's much that like, we missed. I mean, maybe like, yeah. allegories and themes sure. and stuff like that. But like, you know, again, the movie is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It's just so well done. And there are layers, but... There's no, I don't know, maybe there are hidden ghosts in this one too. Right. But it's just, it's a, it was a great watch. It was a great film, made really well. And like I mentioned earlier, anytime if I isolate a piece, music, set design, the costumes, the acting, the dialogue, I have no complaints. So um, I might actually go and change my score on Letterboxd. Again, scores are arbitrary, but I have no complaints about this movie. I, I loved it. So if y'all haven't seen Banshees of Inisherin, uh, we spoiled a lot of the moments, you know, as was expected. And if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, but you should still go see it. It's a great time. Um, so what are, your, what are your closing thoughts here on it? My closing thoughts for it is I would love to see Ireland one day. Oh, yeah, we need to go. Um, and I thought it was just like a really beautiful movie to look at and to sit through once because i don't think i'm gonna get much joy because it doesn't leave you with like that reddit person said a hopeful note no there, there was no warm fuzzy feeling at the <laughs> end of was, the movie there was no hope at the end of this movie so i don't know if it's one that i just want to have on in the background to enjoy um but i mean along the way it was hilarious in moments um but yeah i you know i really liked this movie i'm glad we saw it i'm glad we own it I'm interested to see. I mean, the big question mark is, will Colin Farrell take the award I'm over Brendan Fraser? Very so, excited to see it. You know, that's that's my thoughts, I guess. All right. That's it for this week's episode. So let us know what you thought. Do you agree with us that Colin Farrell might win the Oscar? Do you think anyone else might take it? Did you like the movie? Did you not? Let us know. We are on Twitter at BlameTheMovies with a Z. And you can find me on Letterboxd at the Humble Oscar. And me, at Alan Michael. And we will see you all next week.